You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. Every now and then, uh, this may happen to you as well, but I will notice that I'll be in a familiar place, doing something familiar. Um, a lot of times I'll notice this happens while I'm driving on, on roads that I drive often, <clears throat> the roads to and from my house that I drive several times a week and sometimes several times a day. And I'll be at a stop sign and I'll look over to see you know, if that cool convertible is out front of that house, where it always is, because I'm like, oh man, I wish I had that cool convertible. But sometimes, for some reason or another, my attention will be drawn to the opposite side of the street, and I'll see, like, has that red house always been there? Like, it's a house, and I missed it. All these times, because my attention was always turned this way, and, and we, our minds seem to be creatures of such habit and routine that being in the same place doing the same activity, driving, our attention goes to the same place it always does. It goes to this house or that convertible or that bush or that tree that you like. And we miss so much else. That's actually true about the way our brains work in a lot of the world. <clears throat> There's so much information and, and stimulus that comes in that, that our brains selectively pay attention to some things and sort of block out other things. There are great sort of online videos demonstrating this, that um, our attention uh, and the way that we perceive things is shaped so much by focusing in on one particular thing or one particular area. We can't possibly actually process all of the information that comes in. What that means is that we get into habits and routines. There are certain things that we expect to be a certain way. Most of us in, our, in the evening, as we uh, put toothpaste on our toothbrush, we don't have to think about whether we start at our bottom right molars or our top left or how we're going to do that, it just automatically happens. We get in the habit of brushing our teeth a certain way or of driving a certain pattern when we are going to a friend's house or noticing certain things along the way to our friend's house. We are people of habits and routines. And that's, and a lot of times, that can be really helpful. It can also be problematic because we're so used to seeing things a certain way that we miss so much what's going on around us. Yesterday, I was driving, doing some grocery shopping, and uh, cruising along Cornell, and you know, there are, once you get past sort of, um, sort of where Costco is, the, the, the lights start to spread out a little bit. And apparently, I'm quite used to those lights being green. And I was cruising along uh, Cornell yesterday, and and I was about halfway through the intersection, and I don't even remember which street it was, but it was near Sunrise Church. It was one of those uh, intersections. 
and realized that the light was red, and I don't think it had just turned red. I think it was like just real red for a long time. And I was so in my sort of habit of that light being green and of just sticking with traffic that I didn't see the red light. Fortunately, nobody else was in the intersection, and maybe if there had been people turning or crossing traffic, I would have seen and noticed that. But it was a reminder to me about how easy it is for us to miss important, significant things. We get into habits of how we perceive the world, and they can keep us from seeing new stuff, important stuff sometimes. That's hap that happens with Scripture as well. There are passages of Scripture that we have read hundreds of times, and we know what they mean. We are so habituated to those Scriptures. We have our perceptions of what they already mean that we can't always hear something new in them. This passage from Matthew's Gospel, man, there's a lot there, isn't there? There's a ton of stuff in that passage, and we could spend a month sort of teasing out all of the stuff there. But for the first time in a long time, I heard this in a new way. A lot of new stuff was popping out, in part because my consciousness has been raised a bit by what's going on in our world, by the fact that it's Pride Month by an awareness of how much there are systems of oppression and systems and structures that keep us working a certain way and empowering certain people. That I'd always assumed that I knew what that passage meant. And now I'm hearing it in a new way. I was accustomed to it meaning one thing, but now the Spirit is drawing my attention elsewhere. That's the potential power of Scripture, is that it can speak new words to us. It can bring old truths to new light. The Scripture hasn't been changed. This passage in Matthew's Gospel has been the same way for nearly 2,000 years. What's different is me and how I read and hear and understand what's happening. That passage about, do not think that I've come to bring peace, but a sword to divide father from son. On Father's Day, Jesus, come on. And mother and daughter and mother-in-law and daughter-in-law and households will be divided. And when I would read that in the past or preach on that in the past or teach a Bible study on that in the past, I often said, well, of course, this was written at a time as tensions were elevating and, and there was division happening within the, the Jewish synagogues as Christians were beginning to find themselves in tension because they were really creating a new religion that was not in complete agreement with Judaism. And there, that's probably true. But it says something about how settled and easy and comfortable and privileged my life is that I would read that and go, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it used to be that way, but now... That passage actually earlier, that, that section earlier in this passage, when Jesus says that there will be those who will call you Beelzebul, um, the Lord of Flies, it's a name of a demon or the devil. I thought, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, they used to do that kind of thing. 
but not anymore. For a long time, I would read passages like this about the kinds of conflict that we encounter as followers of Jesus as mostly a relic, because now, well, we, we have problems, but we get along, we're doing okay. But over the last few months, my illusions that we're doing okay have been cracked somewhat. Because we're not really doing okay. I have heard on the floor of General Conference, when United Methodists from around the world gather to discern together the way forward for the church and to set the rules by which we will live, I have heard people on the floor of General Conference say of brothers and sisters who are advocating for the full inclusion of our LGBTQ siblings that they are of the devil, that they are Beelzebub. This is not something a long time ago. It's happening now. Pursuing the gospel of love and justice will bring us into conflict with those with whom we disagree, who want to keep the gospel for themselves. I can't hear that passage anymore about Jesus saying, I don't come to bring peace, but a sword that will divide father from son and, and daughter from mother and families from one another without imagining those family gatherings where someone, someone we love and have known our whole lives, says something that is racist or homophobic or transphobic. and to know that we are called to speak up, even when it risks conflict, even when it risks division in our families. Oh, that's hard word. But maybe that's part of what Jesus is getting at in that final bit of the passage about whoever does not love me more than, love the gospel more than father or mother, is not worthy. Man, that's hard. But if we are called to the work of making justice in the world, if we are called to the liberation of those who have been oppressed, if we are called to lift up those who have been oppressed and set low, if we are called to a new way of life, we have got to be willing we have got to be willing to be in conflict, not violent conflict, but to stand clearly on the side of justice and love, even when it is costly. Because most of the conflict that we will encounter as we live out the gospel will not be people coming up with billy clubs and mace and guns. But let's be clear that that happens too. For many of us, the conflict is phone calls and emails and Facebook posts. Family members who say, well, I mean, yeah, we all want the world to be better, but why does it have to be so? I don't really believe that it... 
And that's sometimes when it's harder. It's hard to say to someone you love that that word is not okay. It's hard to say to someone who you have known and cared about, who has loved you your whole life, to say we are not going to use that language. We are not going to talk that way. I am really clearly aware of how easy and comfortable and privileged my life is. The struggle for freedom and liberty for those who are oppressed is work that I want to engage in. But it's not work that liberates and frees me in the same way that it does our black brothers and sisters, our Latinx brothers and sisters, our LGBTQ siblings. So I know that I am privileged because of the color of my skin and because of my gender and because I'm a Christian pastor who's in his mid four. I mean, it's hard to be much more privileged than I am. And I have lost friends because I've dared to say that the church should be open to LGBTQ folks. Now, that's a small cost to pay, but it's a painful one. This passage from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, he's not come to bring peace, but a sword. Not to put a sword in our hands, mind you, but that the Gospel brings us into conflict with the powers of empire. And empires don't like that. Power structures and systems don't like to be challenged. People who benefit from those power systems and structures don't like to think that they might be upset. But that is the call of the gospel. The Spirit is moving. It seems clear to me that while there is a long way to go, and that there is no guarantee that things are going to automatically change, that there is something happening in our world which is new. And there is work to do. It will be costly. It will be hard. But that new movement is opening my eyes, and I hope it is opening yours. so that I can't hear old stories the same way anymore, that new hearts hear something new in old and familiar words. So the question comes, when you're with your friends for a meal, or when you're sitting with your family at Thanksgiving or Christmas, and someone says, oh, that Black Lives Matter crap, are you going to say something? If someone says, the next time you're with them in a place of friendship and gathering and just enjoying one another's company, if someone says, oh man, I just don't understand how 
trans people don't get that there's just two genders. You're either a boy or a girl. Will you speak up? The next time someone rolls their eyes and says to you, I don't feel like I've been privileged because I'm white, will you be the voice for God's justice in that moment? Will your new heart help you be a channel for God's work in this world? God is moving. Oh, is God moving. And brothers and sisters, it is joyful and holy work to be about the liberating of all of God's children. But it is hard. And it can be discouraging. And it can be heartbreaking. But my wholeness, my salvation, my liberty as a follower of Jesus, is bound up with the wholeness and the salvation and the liberty of all of God's children. Racism is not a problem for someone else to solve. It's a problem for me to help solve. Transphobia is not a problem for someone else to address. It's a problem for me to address. Homophobia is not a problem that is somewhere else and out there. It is right here. And we have got to do the work. So let our hearts be renewed. Let us hear the ancient story of God's liberating love with new ears and new hearts that call us, that invite us, that challenge us Let us be the people of God. In this day and in all of the days and weeks, months and years to come, let us do the work that is set before us, brothers and sisters. And that, my friends, is God's good news this day. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you. I'm going to work so God can use me anywhere, Lord, anytime. I'm going to pray so. God can use me anywhere, Lord, anytime. I'm gonna pray so God can use me.